Everything we do here at Second Chance has a reason behind it. So during the second song, did y'all notice the screens went completely blue? Did y'all notice that? Couldn't sing. Some of you didn't know the words. Blue, blue is the color that when you see it, it automatically livens a person up. It's scientifically proven. So that's why that happened. Actually, we completely lost power in the video room. That's why that happened. But I just, you just make stuff up on the spot. It's great. Anyway, super glad that you're here today. How many of you enjoyed this study on Ruth, just going through the book of Ruth? Anybody? Yeah, me too. Me, did we just lose power in the room? Can we bring the lights back up? I want to see people. Some, something happened. Dear God, lights up, lights up, lights up, lights up, little up, little up. That's good. Okay, then we're back. See, there we go. That's power right there. Lights up. Million dollars. Thought I'd try it. Anyway, um... I've enjoyed it. I'm just kind of curious today. I want to do a survey of the audience. I want to ask a question. I need you to be honest because if you lie in church, you go to hell. So I need you to be, this is a joke. I need you to be honest. Don't raise your hand for attention because I'm going to ask you a question if you raise your hand, okay? I need to know how many people in the room legitimately can speak more than one language. No, don't raise your hand yet because, because when I say speak, I mean I can, you can speak it. I'm not saying you think you can speak Spanish because you order at Taco Bell, all right? I want one of them burritos, all right? We're glad you can say burrito, but that does not mean you can speak Spanish. So how many people can speak more than one language? Raise your hand, okay? That's more than the last service because, because okay, anybody? Um, more than two languages? More than two languages, anybody? Oh, okay. More than three languages? Anybody? I met a guy one time that spoke eight languages. And uh, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to test it. I tested him out, but I didn't speak any, so he could have completely made it up. I had no idea. He spoke eight languages. And um, now I speak, I speak two languages. I speak English and I speak Southern. And, and there is a, you got to know how to speak Southern if you're going to make it here. Like when you, if you don't know what rent is, rent, rent, rent. Rent. How many know what rent is, right? Okay, yeah, that's Southern right there. So if you're, some of y'all are like, what is rent? What is rent? <laughs> South Carolina football. Anyway, so I, I just, I, hey, 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 we, we lost power. I'm feeling loose right now. So I, uh, I, I speak English. I speak very broken Spanish. I can understand it better than I can speak it. And um, a little bit of Hebrew because I've been to Israel like 16 times. And so you kind of pick some stuff. Uh, but this is, this is the way I process it in my mind, is if, if I hear um, English or, or I mean, if I hear Spanish or Hebrew that I understand, I, I always translate it through English. So English is my primary language. So you will always, and I asked this guy that spoke eight languages, his primary language was English. And I said, so when you hear a language, um, do you translate that language into English? And then, and he goes, yes. He said, now it happens quickly now. He said, because I speak, he said, I've been speaking eight languages for a long time. But I, as I hear a language, it automatically translates to English in my mind. And then it goes, you know, comes back out however. And I started thinking, oh my gosh, in, in, the, in the spiritual realm or in church world or in Christianity or religion or spirituality, whatever tag or label you want to put on that, we have different languages that we speak too. In fact, there's three primary languages that everybody in this room and all of our friends watching online experience every single day of their life. First of all, there's the language of hell. And the language of hell is, is what I call the lying language. And the lying language, you, you, some of you here today, and I know um, that if you, if you speak this language, listen, I have spoken it fluently in the past. 
When you speak that language, it's the lies that you tell yourself every single morning when you look in the mirror. Like you're nothing, uh, you're worthless, um, you'll never have anything, you'll never amount to anything. These are things that you would never say out loud. But you think them in your mind when you look at yourself in the mirror or when you think about yourself. The second language that people speak here is on the polar opposites, the hyper-religious people. You speak the language of truth. Um, you're always telling people the truth. Truth matters. And truth does matter. I completely agree with you. I'm with you. But if you're all truth and nothing but the truth, that's why you have no friends. Because, because you're always it's always just the truth. The third language, and this is what I want to talk about today, is and, and it's the language that most of us will listen. We don't naturally speak this language to ourselves. It's easy to speak this language to other people, but we don't naturally speak this language to ourselves, and it's the language of grace. In fact, th th there's an old hymn called Amazing Grace. And and it's one of those songs that, that most of us in this room, if we don't know it by heart, we can pick up on it really quick because it's that thing. But here's the funny thing about grace. And I, I don't know if anybody in this room will be able to identify with this or not. It's easy for me, easy for me to believe God's grace for you and you and you and you. It's really hard to for me to believe God's grace for me. And here's why. I know the stuff about me that you don't know. I know the stuff about me that you can't Google. <laughs> yeah, because y'all laughed because you tried, didn't you? All right, like, I, I, like that's the stuff I know. And so it's really difficult for me to believe God's grace for me. But at the end of the day, God's grace, God's grace, my hope and prayer is that we will all learn to speak it and believe it as our primary language because I'm telling you at the end of the day, God's grace is really the thing that changes everything. And I'll show it to you as we finish up Ruth chapter four today. Let, let me go back and kind of review a little bit before we dive into the last chapter. It started with, uh, the book of Ruth started with a guy named Elimelech and his wife was Naomi. And there was a famine where they lived in, in Bethlehem. So they left Bethlehem and they went to the land of what? Moab. Moab, right? Straight out of Moab. So they went to Moab, which God told them to never mix with these people. God said, you can go in, just don't go, don't go to Moab. So they go to Moab, uh, completely away from God. And then while they're in Moab, Elimelech dies. Naomi don't know what to do. So she marries off her two sons to Moabite women. That was a sin. Flat out, there's no way to get around it. It was sinful, it was wrong, period. And she did it. And then her two sons died, so then she's stuck with these two Moabite women, and she, think, she hears that God's working in Bethlehem, and she said, well, I guess I'm gonna go back to Bethlehem. And halfway back, she turns around and looks at who, her two daughter-in-laws, Ruth and Orpah, and says, y'all don't have to go if y'all want, don't want to. And Orpah was like, peace. And she was going back to Moab. And Ruth said, I'm not leaving you. So they get back to Bethlehem. And remember, Naomi said, I'm bitter. Remember that? Hey, it's good to see you. I'm bitter. Oh, okay. Well, tell your mom, I said, hey, then. I mean, it's just weird. And then in chapter two, Ruth, remember, she went to work in the field. And, and then Boaz showed up and was like, hey, 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 how you doing? And he was like, because she was hot. Like she was hot. 
Boaz was like, I got to get to know this girl. So they had like their little first date under the tree. And it was weird because she wasn't dressed up for it. She's all sweating. She's matted, pitted out, no makeup. I mean, just bad, right? But he thought she was hot then. And, and, and then he, started, he just started leaving handfuls of, of grain for her to pick up. Then last week, last week was fun. Some of y'all had to explain some stuff to your kids last week. That was awesome. I'm glad you had that conversation. We talked about th- thrashing on the threshing floor last week is what we talked about, right? Because we don't know what happened other than Ruth showed up. Y'all remember I did that thing where I went by like Ruth at the bar and she's like, hey. And then he laid down and she went and laid next to him and said, what you want to do? And like, like, what does a man say? Pray. Okay. That's like, right. <laughs> Um, anyway, so that happened last week, and if you missed it, you can go back and catch it up. So this week, we're in Ruth chapter 4, and, and, and I want to talk to basically three groups of people today. The first group of people, and you're watching in this room or you're online, you're the person that you, you can't catch a break. Like, you can't catch a break. Like... The, the prayer that you've prayed the most over the past few months or maybe even the past few years, this is your prayer, if, you're, if you were honest. You would never admit this in most settings, but if you were completely honest, your prayer when you get by yourself is this, God, are you freaking kidding me? Because you can't seem to catch a break. There's people in this room, you can't seem to catch a break. You, you see other people like, okay, God, I'm, I'm doing the best I can, and I'm reading my Bible, and I'm going to church, and I'm trying that prayer thing, and you're doing your best, and, but you can't get blessed. And then you see other people that do less than you that are getting blessed, and we can't celebrate that, can we? Because we get mad. We're like, God, are you freaking kidding me? They, God, I know what, do you know what they did last week? I know what they, I got a picture of it on Instagram. God, do you watch it? Do, uh, God, do you, do you have Snapchat? That's even worse what they did on Snapchat. I watched that, God. And we see other people get blessed and we can't seem to catch a break. And we think, my God, is it possible that I'm just walking this doomed life and nothing great's ever I'm just kind of stuck right here well that's you good news you've got something in common with Boaz in this story Boaz is 80 years old now in ancient Israel the goal the goal for every man was to get married have a son so you could pass on the family legacy through the son Now, Boaz is 80, and he's not married. Do you think he's a little frustrated, yes or no? Yes. I talked to a girl one time. She was 19. She was crying. She came to me. She said, can I talk to you for a minute? It's like, all my friends are getting married. I'm married. I'm like, you're 19. Get over it. Next, that's that's why I don't do counseling. That's why you don't want me for counseling. I'll be like, you're 19. Shut up. Next, Okay. I'm in the broadband. Anyway, I, I, I got her through it. She's fine now. She's fine. Still not married, but she's fine. She's fine. <laughs> Boaz is 80. And here's what's crazy. When Naomi left Bethlehem to go to Moab, from all indications, Boaz stayed in Bethlehem when Naomi left. He, he stayed during the tough times. He worked through the famine 
When everybody was turning their back on God, Boaz was strong. He, he, was, he, was, he never turned his back on God. He's doing the right thing, and he's 80 years old. When you're 80 years old and you haven't been married yet, you got a right to go, okay, okay. Hickory dickory dock, the biological clock is ticking, God. Can I get a little help here, please? So the whole thing with Ruth happens. And she shows up and uncovers his feet and said, I want to do what you want to do. And he said, all right, I'll handle it tomorrow, but stay the night. Stay the night. Remember that we last time with? He said, I'm going to handle it tomorrow. So the next day, Ruth chapter 4, verse 1, that's where we're going to pick it up. Our boy Bo said, Boaz went to the town gate and took a seat there. Just then the family redeemer he had mentioned came by. Isn't that funny how when you do what God's called you to do that God will take care of the details? Boaz was like, all right, God, I'm going to sit here. If you want me to marry Ruth, send him by. Hey, here's your sign. Like that, that happened. Just then the family redeemer he had mentioned came by. So Boaz called out to him, come over here and sit down, friend. I want to talk to you. So they sat down together. Then Boaz called 10 leaders from the town because this is how you did business in those days. 10 leaders, 10 was the number of authority. So this is, I mean, you didn't have lawyers and contracts. You just got the people at the town gate to sit around. And he got them to sit as witnesses. And Boaz said to the family redeemer, now you know Naomi who came back from Moab. By the way, through that, you remember Naomi? I mean, she went to Moab. Let's not talk about Moab, but she went to Moab. She's selling the land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should speak to you about it so that you can redeem it if you wish. If you want the land, then buy it here in the presence of these witnesses. But if you don't want it, let me know right away. Because, I mean, Ruth is hot. She's hot. She uncovered my feet. So let me know right away because I am next in line to redeem it after you. The man replied, all right, I'll redeem it. Can, Can you imagine... Just a second, Boaz is like, okay, okay, I know this is going to work. God's finally going to, God's finally going to oh, get Ruth. This is going to be amazing. I get him to pick up some land in the process. This is going to be awesome. And there's no one talking. He sits down. He's like, okay, come here. And yeah, okay, and the land. And then, so you, you don't want it, do you? And the guy was like, yeah. You know what Boaz's prayer was after that? God, are you freaking kidding me right now? I've done everything right. I worked the fields when nobody else was working the fields. I stayed when everybody left. God, I'm doing the best that I can. Could I, could I catch a break, God? And he thinks he's right there on the verge of a breakthrough, and it looks like his breakthrough is going to transition to a breakdown. Have you ever thought, what is wrong with me? Why can't I catch a break? Let's talk about Boaz for a second. Though. Why, why was he unmarried at 80? Because he seemed like a good guy. From everything we see in Scripture, he's got a great heart. Remember in chapter 2, he showed up and told all his workers, the Lord be with you. And they said, the Lord be with you. Like everybody loves him. He's a great man. Why is he not married? He's rich. Why is he not married? Well, if you'll remember from week 2, our week three, Boaz's mother was a prostitute. In fact, she lived in, in the city of Jericho and she was a prostitute. Not only was she a prostitute, but she was a Canaanite. Boaz's father was an Israelite. An Israelite married a Canaanite. So Boaz was considered to be a half-breed. 
In that culture, if you married someone that wasn't pure Jewish, you were considered to be unclean. Your family was considered to be unclean, and your entire family line was considered to be cursed. So nobody wanted to get next to Boaz, not because of what he had done, but because of what had happened to him. And there's some people in this room, you carry that weight. Because of what happened to you, you feel like you're disqualified from the grace of God. You were molested. You were raped. The business deal went bad. Something, you were abandoned. Something legitimately happened to you. And because of what happened, you, you've, you've let, and trust me, I understand this, you've let what happened to you define you. And because of that, you think you'll never get a breakthrough. But listen to me, listen. God's delays are not God's denials. That was good. Thank you very much. Like two people said amen. Everybody else is like, huh? God's delays are not God's denials. And here's the good news. Here's the good news. If you hadn't gotten to where you think God wants you to get, by the way, his plans are better, you can still get there. There's, because if God brings Boaz to a breakthrough moment, if he bring, he's, God's going to finish what he started. But at this moment right here, Boaz has got to be a little bit discouraged. Now, this is where he gets crazy. Boaz is smart. And he plays a card here that's pretty interesting. Watch this. Then Boaz told him, oh, okay, okay. Well, of course, your purchase of the land from Naomi also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite. I mean, I ain't saying anything. I ain't trying to judge, but you know about those women from Moab. That's what he's saying. He's totally using that. He's a smart man. That way, she can have children. You're going to have babies with her, by the way. And, and, and they're going to carry on their husband's, going to carry on the husband's name and keep the land in the family. Guess what? Not only do you get land, you get like a wife and a mother-in-law and all this other stuff. And, and, and then I can't redeem it. Oh, I didn't know it was all that. I thought I was just getting land. I didn't know I was getting like a family. He said, then I can't redeem it, the family Redeemer replied, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land. I cannot. And this puts, this, this, this second point is some of us can connect with Boaz, but some of us can connect with Ruth and how amazing God's grace is. How many of you know that we all need grace? So the other night I dropped cares. I mean, this is so... I'm just real with y'all. I'll tell y'all the bad stuff as well as the good. Um, the other night I dropped Karis off at her play rehearsal and Shannon, my fiance, and I, we went to eat. And as we're coming back to play rehearsal, um, I look in my rearview mirror and there's like a glow behind my car. It was weird. I was like, I don't even believe in UFOs, but I'm probably getting kidnapped right now. I don't know what's going on. I look in my rearview mirror and there's a, there's a car right on my tail. Now, there was, I couldn't understand because I was going slightly above the speed limit through a neighborhood, and this car is riding my tail. And I came to a stop sign, and I continued, and they, they, and they sped up, got right up on me. And, and I'm looking in the rearview mirror, and I'm, I'm gripping my stick. And Shannon was like, you all right? I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not good right now. 
She said, why? I said, this car's riding my tail. I said something else. But I said, they're, they're riding my tail. And she turned around. She said, what's the problem? I said, I don't know. Then they started flashing their lights. I'm going to ask a question. Every man in this room that has the guts to be honest, when they started flashing their lights, what did I do? I hit the brake. Hard. I saw their car do this. Shannon was like, stop it. I was like, there was a squirrel on the road. Didn't you see the squirrel? Try not to hit a squirrel. Lied. They're flashing their lights more. And I'm about to, I, I, I was like, Shannon's like, what are you getting ready to do? I said, I'm going to stop the car. I'm going to get out on the road and ask them what the problem is. She said, you'll get shot. I was like, not if I get them first. I mean, I'm, I, I am angry. I'm angry. I'm like, I'm, 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 I, men, do you know what it's like when you get to that point where you're shaking because they're flashing the lights, flashing the lights, flashing the lights? And she's like, Perry, maybe they need grace. I said, they're going to have to get it from somebody else. I mean, I just, I'm. So, so we came to a stop sign. I turned left and they went right. <laughs> I went, cowards. <laughs> but, but you know what? She was right. Because at the end of the day, I don't know what was going on in that car. Maybe they had a sick person in the car. Maybe they're trying to get to the hospital. Maybe I, I don't know what was going, but I know in a situation like that, that, that it's really difficult to give, give grace to somebody like that in your rearview mirror. Am I, am I right? Everybody in this room, nobody in this room is thinking, well, I would have given them grace. No, you wouldn't have because it's difficult to give. You know who else is hard to give? You know who else is hard to give grace to? You. It's hard for me to give grace to me. It's hard for some people in this room to give grace to you. That's why when it comes to Ruth, that grace, God, okay, first of all, just a really easy question. We are studying the book of Ruth. A Moabite woman, born completely separated from God, born into a culture that practiced child sacrifice, born into a culture that did not worship or know the God of Israel. That woman got a book of the Bible named after her. Can you imagine God doing Ancestry.com? Okay, and he's not doing it like he gets to fill out the brackets. He's not trying to figure out who it was. And he's writing in names, and he's, he's telling Jesus, okay, this is going to be your lineage, lineage. These are the people that I'm going to use to bring you about to the world. And so you would figure all these people on this list, like, like they are perfect people with no problems. They're incredibly awesome. And he gets to this blank, and he writes in Ruth. And the angels are standing around, and one of them gets the nerve and goes, listen, hey, uh, this God creator of the universe, person God, I, I'm, not, I'm, not asking, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to question you because the last time somebody did that, all hell broke loose up here, literally. So, so I'm not trying to, I'm just asking a question. Um, Ruth is a Moabite. She's a Moabite guy. And God goes, I know. I know. Because as we look even at the lineage of Jesus, don't you know that God often takes the people that everybody else kind of dismisses and says, I think I'll use them. So, so if you're here today, and when you look in the mirror, you go, there's, there's really nothing good about me. I, 
I've never been anything, I've, I've never done anything good spiritually. I've never accomplished anything significantly spiritually. That's just never been me. Here's good news. You're the kind of person that God uses. It, it's strange as we look at the ministry of Jesus when he was here on earth, as we look at the ministry of Jesus, the thing that made the religious people the most angry wasn't that Jesus was going around kicking out a bunch of people. It's that he was pulling people in, the same people that the religious community had kicked out. So if you're here today and you feel like there's nothing good about your life and there never has really been anything good or significant about your life, good news. If God can use Ruth, God can use you. If God can get Ruth where she needed to go, God can get you where you need to go. Now, this, this next part's crazy. I, I just love how this breaks down because it's so fun. Um, now, in those days, it was the custom in Israel for anyone transferring a right of purchase to remove his sandal and hand it to the other party. I am so glad we don't do business deals like this anymore. Yo, dog, can I get that truck? Anyway, that, I mean, that's how they did it, right? Just breaking the scripture down. This publicly validated the transaction. So the other family redeemer drew off his sandal as he said to Boaz, you buy the land. In other words, take her, take the Moabite, take everybody, take Ruth, take them all. Then Boaz said to the elders and to the crowd standing around, you are witnesses today that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kalion, and Malon. And with the land I have acquired Ruth, the Moabite, I got the Moabite. Now, Boaz is the Christ figure in this story. And he's going, hey, everybody else don't want that girl? I want her. That's the same thing Jesus is saying about people. If you feel unwanted by the world, there is a God in heaven today raising his hand going, I'll take you. I'll take your life. I'll take your life. I'll take your, I'll use you for good. When other people want to dismiss you, God's saying, I won't dismiss you. I will draw you in. That's the God we serve. I love that. I didn't even say that in the last service. That was free for y'all. All right, here we go. This way she can ha have a son. In other words, he's speaking, he's speaking it into existence. He's like, hey, hey we're going to have a son. We're going to have a son. Me and Ruth, baby Ruth, me and Ruth are going to have a baby. Baby Ruth, that's what we, sorry, Goonies flashback. I don't know where that comes from. I, somebody over here, we're going to wait on y'all to get it back. Just get it back. Just get it back. Oh, there, there we go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This way she can have a son to carry on the family name of her dead husband and then, and then inherit the family property here in his hometown. You are all witnesses today. Then the elders and all the people standing in the gate, we are witnesses. Woo! May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nation of Israel descended. May you prosper in that place. I've tried it all week. Can't pronounce it. Don't judge me. And be famous in Bethlehem. That's cool. And may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those of our ancestor Perez, the son of Tamar and Judah. Now, this was a little weird. Like everything's, I made the Lord bless you and keep you and all this stuff. And may he bless you like, like Tamar and Judah. Because Boaz, remember, he was the half-breed and Ruth was the foreigner. How can God bring something good out of, that's weird. Well, maybe, okay, 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 okay. There was that time where God brought something good out of Tamar 
and Judah. Now, most of us don't know that story, especially if you grew up in church. You don't know that story. You know why you don't know that story? Because that story's messed up. You can't put that story on final graph. You could, but not in children's Sunday school. You know why? Because Tamar was Judah's daughter-in-law. That's messed up. Even in Kentucky. It was real funny until the last service, I'm, somebody walked up to me and said, I'm from Kentucky. <laughs> now, I, now ta- and what makes it worse is Tamar dressed up like a prostitute and seduced Judah. They had a kid together. God can use, God can use anything. So, so they were like, okay, well, this is a little messed up, and God uses, so, so maybe God will just bless. So they just kind of throw that in. It's fascinating. So Boaz took Ruth into his home, and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. You see that? Boaz like, we're going to have a son. Bam, they had a son. I love that. Then the woman of the town said to Naomi, hold up. What did Naomi do? Naomi's messed up through the whole story. She's the one that walked away from Bethlehem. She's the one that sinned in Moab by marrying her sons off to the Moabite women. And then when she came back and everybody's trying to be nice to her, she's like, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara because I'm bitter. She's that woman. So why is she getting praised? Why not Ruth? Well, it starts out with Naomi walking away from God and the story ends with Naomi. Um, then the women of the town said to Naomi, praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. And he was. So we're going to switch back to Ruth now, right? Nope. Here we go. May he restore your youth. What? Restore your youth? You're the one that, why should he restore Naomi's youth? But yeah, they're saying this to Naomi. May he restore your youth and care for you and your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Okay, can we get back to Ruth? Because Ruth's kind of the focus of the story. Naomi, what? Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast. She cared for him as if he were her own. But he's not. Naomi, give the baby back to Ruth. My gosh. You had your chance. You blew it. You had Malon, Kilion, married him off to Moabite women. I mean, but here's, I mean, Naomi gets a second chance. Naomi gets a second chance. Oh, and by the way, for those of you that are looking for a second chance, second chance does not mean second class. Her second chance was actually immeasurably more than all she could have ever asked for or imagined. At the beginning of the story, she's walking away from God. At the end of the story, she's holding one of the descendants that would eventually bring about the Messiah. That's immeasurably more. That's good stuff right there. So maybe the, last, maybe the next verse we'll talk about Ruth, all right? Then the, neighbor women, then the neighbor women said, now at last Naomi has the son. Well, Naomi technically doesn't. That's Ruth had the son. But they're talking about Naomi had the son again, and they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse, the grandfather of David, who killed Goliath, who went on to be king of Israel and then brought about Jesus Naomi walked away from God. Now, I'm just kind of curious. Have you ever done something that you know, you know for a fact, there's not a doubt in your mind, you shouldn't have done it. 
You shouldn't have done it. Hypothetically, let's say you get a text. This could have happened to me in the past week or two. You get a text, and it's, um, it's from somebody that you didn't really want to hear from. And they're saying something to you that you really didn't want to hear. You ever gotten one of those? Now, wisdom says, put the phone down, walk away. But most of the time, we hit that reply button, right? And man, my thumbs, when I'm mad, my thumbs can move at warp speed. And and you're going, I'm not going to send it, I'm not going to send it, I'm not going to send it. But you know what I've discovered? If you go ahead and hit send, it's easier to get forgiveness than it is permission. You fire that text, you can't get that back, can you? All of us have done things that we wish we wouldn't have done. All of us have said things that we wish we wouldn't have said. And some of, some of them are kind of laughable, like, oh, yeah, I shouldn't have sent that text, but some of them aren't laughable. For some people, there was a time in your life that you were closer to Jesus than you are right now. But like Naomi, you walked away. You went from Bethlehem to Moab. And once you got in Moab, you did stuff that, let's be honest, you used to talk about people that did that stuff. You used to look down on people that did that stuff. But, but then you did that stuff, or maybe you're doing that stuff. And because you feel like you're stuck in Moab, doing stuff that you never thought you would do, you, you've convinced yourself that the grace of God is for everybody else but not for you. But, but isn't it crazy how the story starts out with Naomi walking away from God? And by the end of the story, not only has she came back, but she's experiencing more than she ever thought she could have ever imagined. Isn't it funny how God took her sin when she married her, one of her sons off to Ruth and turned it into something amazing. Now, stop, because I got to say this, because somebody's going to say it. I'm not saying go out and sin so God can do amazing things. Oh, my preacher, oh, well, let's do some crack and look at pictures of naked people on the computer, and God will use it. No, that's not what I said at all, whatsoever. If you heard that, you're wrong. That's not what I said. I'm saying if you have sinned, God can still take that mess and turn it into a miracle. Because if you're looking at Naomi's life, when she's in Moab with two Moabite women as her daughter-in-laws, you're thinking, there's no way God can use that. But all of a sudden, she gets back to the place in Bethlehem, and God's grace changes her. God's grace is absolutely amazing. And I want to bring it back to the person that I mentioned at the beginning of the service. You're like, well, what about truth? What about truth? Do you know truth? Do you know truth without grace has never changed anyone? It pushes them further back. For example, I don't know if you know this or not, but at one point in my life, several years ago, I had a drinking problem. I did. Do you know I had people tell me, you should stop drinking? Okay. Pour me another. Drinking's not good for you. Okay. You need it. You need to stop. You're wrong. You shouldn't be drinking that much. I knew it was right. It didn't change me. You know what changed me? 
Grace changed me. It's kind of like Shannon and I the other day. Shannon's my fiance. Now, you're going to find this incredibly difficult to believe, but I can be a smart aleck sometimes. I know it's, I know, I know, I know it's hard, but just stay with me. I, I know I, I can be a smart, because um, I don't have a problem being sarcastic and I can turn sarcasm around. Just, and, and, and if I'm a little angry at you it, and you say something, I can, I, can, I can switch that sarcasm on. And so Shannon and I were having a conversation. I'd had a long week, it'd been a long week. And she, had, she, she was trying to talk about the wedding. And, and like, I'm a guy. Like at the end of the day, it, let, let me tell you something, guys, a little advice. When she's asking you about the wedding, have an opinion every third question. And then if she disagrees with that, then just go with what she says anyway. But I violated my own rules. And I was, I was being a little snarky. I was being a lot snarky, actually. I was, and and so, so, so after about 10 minutes... The tension was building, and she, I promise you, this is what she did. She looked at me, and she said, you know what, Perry? You've had a difficult week, and I'm so sorry. We can talk about this another time if you want. And it changed me. I didn't say, oh, my gosh. I'm being a complete jackass right now, and she's allowing it, and she just acknowledged it and forgave me for it. So let me keep doing it. No. She could have told me, listen, you're a jerk. You're an idiot. You're being a complete rear end right now. That would have been true. It wouldn't have changed me. But when she acknowledged what was going on and showed me grace, that absolutely changed me in the moment. It's not people pointing their finger in your face that change you. It's the grace of God that changes you. Grace is what changes us from who we are to who we need to be. And for those people that feel like you've had people pointing their finger in your face over and over and over again, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, God's grace is true for you. You can still get to where God wants you to be. You can still experience immeasurably more than all you could ever ask or imagine. Look at Boaz. Look at Ruth. Look at Naomi. None of them are in the story if it's not for God's grace. Let me finish with this. I, uh, when I went to rehab, man, that was fun. I want to rehab about fourth night in, I had a talent show, <laughs> a talent show at rehab, man, God, they should have called it the lack of talent show, but we, I like went, there's nothing else to do, you either just sit in your room or go to the talent show and, and, and then you had to tell the person when they got done, I support you. Um, and it, but it was a lie because one girl got up and did poetry and I didn't understand that. And it was, anyway, it was weird. It was weird. So I'm sitting in this room and I, I'd been there like four days and, and God spoke to my heart. He said, you're going to get up and play the piano and sing Amazing Grace. <laughs> and I went, no, I'm not. <laughs> Have you ever just told God, no, like, just no, I'm not going to do that. No. And, and it got to the point where I got, I got uncomfortable. Like, so uncomfortable, I was like, fine. 
I'll go talk to the guy with the clipboard that's running the No Talent Show, and I'll just say something about playing. So I just walked up to him, um, and his name was Chip. I actually remember it. I was like, hey, Chip, um, uh, I know it's probably too late. I can get on the next one, but like, if it's not too late, could I get in there? He said, yeah, you can go right now. I said, like, nah, man, I don't want to impose. He goes, no, no, I said, no, you can go right now. He goes, everybody, Perry's going to do something. <laughs> That's my boat. <laughs> like, I didn't know what to do. Like, I'm just kind of there. <laughs> so I go sit down on the piano, and I said, well, I'm, 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 I, don't, I don't know where you guys, because at this point, I just lost all my confidence. I, don't know, I said, I don't know where you guys stand spiritually, but there's a song that I know, and, and so I'm just going to sing it. And um, so I sang Amazing Grace. Now, keep in mind, this was, at a, this was not a Christian rehab. But it wasn't even close, okay? And the majority of the people in the room were not professing Christians. About halfway through the first verse of Amazing Grace, the whole room's silent. Second verse, everybody's singing. By the time we got to the end, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. And it, it messed me up. Because I was in a room full of people that knew what it was like to need grace. What if the church were a place full of people that knew we all needed grace? That grace wasn't just for, I mean, the people that aren't here today. That grace is for the person we saw in the mirror this morning. No matter if we feel like Boaz who can't catch a break, Ruth who there's nothing good about me, Naomi who walked away. I'm telling you, when it, whenever I see the words of the song, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Wretch. I was a wretch. I was a, I was a wretch. And listen, the only reason I'm not a wretch today is by the grace of God. The only reason that everyone in this room, that everybody watching online right now is not a wretch, is by the grace of God. I once was lost, like no purpose, no hope, no peace, no joy, no anything. But now, but now I'm found. Why? His amazing grace. I was blind. In other words, I couldn't see the goodness of God. I couldn't see the things of God. I couldn't see hope. I couldn't see peace. I couldn't see immeasurable more. I couldn't see that. But because of the grace of God, I was, I was blind. But now, but now today by his grace, I can see. See, grace changes people. Grace changes a church. And grace changes the world. Would you stand with me for prayer? Father, I want to thank you today for your amazing grace. And I pray for every single person in this room, everybody watching online. God, we just have a hard time with it. 
We can believe it for other people, but we can't believe it for ourselves. God, that today, today would be the day that we know that your grace is amazing because your grace is for us. Jesus, we thank you so much for your amazing grace. I pray for every single person here today that feels like Boaz who can't catch a break. God, that you would let them know that your grace is for them. For feel, who feel like Ruth, God, that there's just nothing good. God, that you would let them know that you created them on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. And that for the person that's walked away like Naomi, who think they can never come back home, God, because of your amazing grace, not only can we come back home, but we can have it better than before. Jesus, when the prodigal son came home, you didn't throw stones in judgment. You threw a party. And Jesus, you're waiting just to throw a party today for the people that want to come back to you. So with heads bowed and eyes closed right now, if you feel like you're that person, that you've walked away, you're not as close as you used to be, just tell him right now, just tell him, Jesus, today, I want to take a step back to you. I want to acknowledge right now I'm not where I want to be. And today I want to take a step back towards you. Maybe you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ. You've never asked Jesus into your life. And you know that today's the day you need to do that. Right now with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you know you need to accept Christ, I want you right now just to pray in your heart. Just pray this. Say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you as my Savior. Come into my life, Jesus. Take over. Take control. Forgive me of my sins. Save me and show me how to live for you. In Jesus' name, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just said that prayer in your heart, standing there, would you do me a favor and hold up your hand and hold it up real high because I want to pray for you. If you're online, you do the hand raise emoji because I want to pray for you. Father, thank you so much for people today that have accepted you. Thank you so much, God, for people that said yes. Thank you so much, Jesus, for the prodigals that started their journey home today. Thank you so much for the person, God, who feels like they just can't get a break, that you reminded them today, God, that you're still at work. And even when we don't, we don't see it, God, you're still working, you're still moving, and we can still get to where you get. God, if we're still alive, that means you still have a plan. You still have a purpose. We can still get there to the place that is immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for how good you are. And everybody that agreed said, amen. Thank you for coming to church today. Hope you have a phenomenal week. We'll see y'all back here next week for Mother's Day.